Today on CityCast Boise, it's Friday, and Blake Hunter and Frankie Barnhill are with me to dig into the week's news. We're talking school dress codes, a new lawsuit against the abortion trafficking ban, and why watching people fall off paddleboards is the most relaxing Boise activity. It's Friday, July 14th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise is talking about. Hi, Blake. Hi, Frankie. Happy Friday. Hey, Emma. Happy Friday. Almost, almost to the weekend. Woohoo. Almost. We're so close. Well, why don't we start with talking about the heat? Because I feel like that's on everyone's mind. It's all I can think about. Blake, is there any relief in sight? Um, kind of around the corner a little bit. Uh, like early next week, we're going to dip back down into like low 90s for the high. But this weekend is going to be very hot. Saturday, the high is about 100 degrees. Uh, but then Sunday... It, the high is 106 degrees. So what? 106? Oh. Yeah, it's just kind of one of those like deadening, like you can't really do anything. Heats. No. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even for like the Hey Boise newsletter that I write, like I've been looking for events this week, and it's just like kind of scraping the bottom <laughs> of the barrel a little bit because like no one wants to do anything other than like maybe go sit in the river a little bit. So yeah, it's it's going to be really hot this weekend. So take care of yourself out there. For events, um, we can use Minerva's uh, freeze your bra pad and yes. put it True. in your bra. Yes. Yeah. That's my event for Sunday. <laughs> yeah, make a tepid bath for yourself. And yeah, it is kind of crazy because we've obviously seen around the country the the really dangerous, deadly heat. And like mm-hmm. it's finally, finally arrived in Boise and in Idaho. And uh, I mean, it's it. we got a little bit of a reprieve in June generally, but it's here now. Yeah, we got spoiled. And you know the hard thing about July for me is you're like, I hate July, but August is coming and it's worse. That's always the hard thing here, I think. So, well, if if it's hard on us, uh, me with my AC cranking, it must be especially hard on our unhoused neighbors. What can we do to help, Blake? Yeah, this is an especially tough time. I mean, like we talk about, you know, the cold of winter being really dangerous for unhoused people. The heat is really... Uh, frankly, like the killer. Um, Like this is an extremely dangerous situation. We're talking about like 106 degrees where like, I mean, anyone who's out in that kind of heat, even in like a little bit of shade on the sidewalk, like for 20 minutes, like, you know what that can do to your body. And it's actually genuinely unhealthy for your organs. Like it's, it's really, really bad for you. Um, a big thing to focus on this weekend for people is going to be hydration, um, just because that's the main counter other than actually getting into, you know, AC. Um, so people are asking for a lot of uh, water, like big packets of water for Boise Mutual Aid um, and, you know, things like coolers, uh, ice packs, that kind of thing. So this is really a weekend to um, be paying attention to people that you're seeing out and about um, and, I, I almost think of this as kind of like a one, the summer's going to get worse as we go on, but also our summers are going to get worse generally. Um, you know, there's a lot of really bad climate data coming out right now. Like these these days in the past week have been literally the hottest that we've ever recorded on planet Earth, uh, possibly for over 100,000 years. Um, the Antarctic ice caps aren't freezing over. It's the dead of winter there. They should be and they're not. Like it's 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 getting really bad. And I think... 
I would urge Boiseans to kind of think of this as like a practice round this weekend of like how we can kind of get our community through um, this kind of really exhausting heat because unfortunately it is going to get worse. So this is really a time to tap into like, if I'm feeling like this, what can I do to kind of help alleviate other people um, and make sure that everyone gets through this as best we can? So really try to tap into your empathy this weekend because it's it's really, really bad for you to be out in this kind of heat. Um, so we need to make sure that our neighbors stay safe. Yeah, Blake, those are great, great resources. Another one to mention is the Idaho Immigrant Resource Alliance's their, um, their heat and smoke fund relief. You wrote about that um, re- recently, and that's open, too, and they're looking for donations to help out uh, folks who are, you know, essential workers uh, gathering food in Idaho for us and out because they have to be working every day in, in the heat. And then, of course, when the smoke comes, that that can be really dangerous as well. Yeah, good Good to keep in mind. And also, um, you know, Boise Kitchen Collective, Boise Mutual Aid, they also have resource guides and say what they need if you follow their Instagram or look at their website. So that can be a really helpful resource, too, there. Um, well, I want to talk about a couple stories that are actually pretty closely related. Frankie, the Boise School Board just approved a new dress code, right? Yeah, so this will go into effect uh, when school starts this next semester, so in August, and it was a unanimous passage by the school board. And basically, they looked at data around, uh, in order to come to this conclusion that they needed to update the dress code, that showed that there were differences in uh, what populations of students were getting dinged, were getting disciplined for dress code violations. Specifically, they found that uh, female students and students of color were disproportionately targeted and uh, received citations. So, yeah, I mean, the new policy, the the goal is to try to cut down on some of the, like, vague, arbitrary language in the previous one and hopefully to improve the way that students and staff, like, deal with these issues and parents, too, and then also giving, you know, parents some more control over over what the kids dress like. Um, there was one uh, one woman, uh, Idaho Education News, did a great story, a roundup on this, and uh, they um, quoted a parent who testified talking about her daughter and how she basically was like A-B testing the dress code where she had her <laughs> friends wear the same clothes that she wore uh, and yeah. the friends wouldn't get a violation and she would, mm-hmm. um, basically because she has breasts. <laughs> like yeah, she, yeah. And like that's her body. Um, so that was that was really interesting. You know, we'll see how how this actually plays out if it does uh, limit how many of these students are getting these kind of violations um, and they can add up. And so, yeah, uh, that's it's a fascinating move for the Boise School District to make. I think this is so interesting. And um, this was quite a few years ago, but um, my kid was going to a sixth grade dance and before the dance a piece of paper was sent home about the dance dress code Mm. that had a gigantic, like two paragraphs, really long paragraphs about what girls were allowed to wear. No spaghetti straps, no showing cleavage. I mean, this is a sixth grade dance, you know, no cleavage, no short skirts, no showing bare arms. And then for boys, it was like nice slacks. And ooh, the letter I wrote, ooh, the calls I made. And, uh, and actually, the principal was very apologetic and was like, I didn't even see this. This got sent out by some parents, actually, oh, who were helping wow. with the dance. But I was livid because I was like, I have I have three sons, so it didn't really affect them a whole lot other than they had to wear slacks, which was, I'm sure, very traumatizing for them. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that this new dress code is great. And it's pretty interesting, the timing of this, because the ACLU just released this report about Canyon County School District's de- dress code. 
And they say that is it's discriminatory and it violates Latino students' civil rights. Yeah, this is fascinating. And what a what a dual like two worlds right now with these with uh, these two stories in some ways. Um, yeah. So the report really goes into, again, uh, how um, these policies, dress code policies, disproportionately affect and target a certain group, Latino students uh, specifically, and that they allege that this, you know, is a violation of their civil rights. Um, specifically, there was a lot of talk in the report about the the term gang-related, quote-unquote, items. Um, you know, things like students wearing rosary beads, that that would be considered gang-related. Red or blue, that was something. Yes. And, and you know, in, uh, I think it was the Idaho Capital Sun article, they were talking to people who were like, if I wear red as a Latino student, I get pulled in, but then white kids wear red and they don't, you right. know? So, yep. so, yeah, really interesting. They also said, you know, like in the Caldwell and Nampa school districts, besides the, the gang dress codes, that um, police play a role in advising and sometimes even enforcing these dress codes. Um, you know, it's also like talking the civil rights piece, of course, like rosary beads. I mentioned that because it's like freedom of religion um, for these for these students. And so I don't know. I'm curious to see if anything changes with this, uh, if it's a wake up call. And there has been a lot of um, there have been stories in the last year or so about um, black and brown students, uh, specifically brown students in in the Canyon County school districts that are, you know, standing up for their rights and saying, like, we're being treated unfairly. And so could this maybe make some change? We'll see. Yeah. Um, and I, I think from that same article, they said that Latino students were um, disciplined at twice the rate of their white peers wow. in the Canyon County schools, which is just a really alarming statistic. Like, you know, yeah. Canyon County schools really needs to be taking care of this and looking into yeah. it. Yeah, I think it was 70. This is this was a stat that it point, uh, jumped out to me, too. 70 percent of dress code violations in this Caldwell school districts were received by Latino students. 70 wow. percent. Wow. wow. And and that's disproportionate, right? They're yes. they're not yeah. the majority. So yeah. Well, let's uh, switch gears here because before we go, I want to talk about abortion like I always do. Um, a couple of groups, including the Northwest Abortion Access Fund, who I should say I've worked with in the past uh, several times, they have filed a lawsuit against the state of Idaho challenging the the abortion trafficking law. Yeah, and specifically, they filed a lawsuit against Idaho Attorney General Raul Labrador's office. Um, and this law, just to refresh people's memory, because there's a lot of abortion bans, a lot of different laws going on. This is the one that would criminalize an adult who transports a minor or in some way, you know, helps them get across state lines to obtain an abortion. Uh, we made ha national net headlines uh, this year when that went through the legislature. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a law that uh, other states, perhaps other conservative states, are looking to say, hmm, we should do that too. Um, but as often happens when our uh, Republican-controlled legislature passes something that takes away people's rights, uh, there's a lawsuit that follows. So here we are. And yeah, and, you know, this is interesting. T I think one thing that was really besides the fact that, yeah, the Northwest um, Abortion Access Fund was one of the plaintiffs. Um, another one is Lourdes Matsumoto. I think I'm pronouncing her name right. She's an Idaho based attorney and she's named in the suit because she assists. She helps out like victims of domestic sexual violence. Um, 
including minors, uh, who need to access an abortion after being sexually assaulted. And um, she is concerned about, you know, even though she has client privilege with her client attorney privilege with her with her clients, that she's still concerned that it could be potentially illegal for her to recommend anything for these for these clients anymore under this law. Um, so that's an interesting wrinkle to this story. We've, of course, heard groups who've risen up and say this is, you know, going too far. But that's a very specific, you know, they need to find they needed to find somebody who this is affecting their their life or their work. And uh, having her as a plaintiff, I think, is fascinating. I'd also add there that the, there's three plaintiffs here, and the third one is the Idaho Indigenous Alliance. And so mm-hmm. this is kind of a really interesting trio um, of, of groups or, um, yeah, parties to be kind of coming at this angle. And so I'm really interested because, well, to one, to my knowledge, this is the first um, abortion trafficking bill that has gone into effect in the nation. And so this is the first uh, lawsuit against that, I, I, I think, unless I'm incorrect about that. And so... You know, in Idaho, we love to really be on the cutting edge of of some of this, the worst stuff. And so we'll see. I think that this, uh, yeah, this lawsuit will probably be a long run and we'll kind of see what tone it sets for, for the rest of the nation. And I mean, this kind of rhetor- like conversation around crossing lines, like this is really deepening um, what the future of abortion care and a lot of other systems of care, like I think of trans health care and things like that. This is really deepening that conversation. And so... This is, yeah, something that we're going to have to pay a lot of attention to. Yeah. And there's like another layer to this because this is coming on the heels of the Idaho Maternal Mortality Board being disbanded and the recent news about how drastically the number of abortions performed in Oregon for out-of-state residents went up. It went by like 50 percent, right? Yeah. These two um, Oregon physicians uh, wrote this opinion in the Idaho Statesman that cited, you know, this huge upshoot in um cases just in the six months following Roe v. Wade being overturned. So some of those months, Idaho's trigger bans, not all of them were actually in effect. And so there's the kind of this weird middle ground, which that is an interesting note too, that um, this term is thrown around a lot, but like this, this chilling effect. So like these trigger bans for some of that period weren't totally in effect, but of course people were still traveling out of state because of that. There's a, so much gray area here and we've said this before on the show, but that is intentional. Like that mm-hmm. is, you know, totally intentional to make sure that like or to ensure that people just aren't totally sure what kind of care they have access to. And so that's part of that um, lawsuit that we just talked about as well is like that the one of the main plaintiffs, that lawyer is saying, like, I don't know what I can tell my patients sometimes. Yeah, it seems like this the disbanding of this board is sort of it's kind of gone a little under the radar and it seems like a much bigger deal than than I think it's being made into. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, over the last few weeks, there was kind of this one two punch from this board where they released the most recent findings that they had, which was um, the the report into 2021 deaths. So the, the job of this board is to research and really study each individual uh, pregnancy related death that occurs in Idaho. Um, and so they're really digging into what happened in each individual one of these cases and then kind of compiling that data and comparing things. Um, of the 42 uh, pregnancy-related deaths um, between 2018 and 2021, all but one of them, so 98% of them, uh, was found to be preventable. And so, I mean, obviously that's something that we really need to be staying on top of. 
eh, we can't now um, because mm -hmm. this board is being disbanded. Um, and that makes Idaho the officially now the only state that doesn't have this kind of committee. Which isn't an accident, right? No. The yeah. people who want this, these trigger laws uh, and these abortion laws, they don't want the numbers to to back up the fact that there needs to be access uh, to abortion care and to reproductive health care. Yeah. So, okay, well, uh, we'll keep an eye on all that. I'm, I'm very interested to see how this lawsuit unfolds. It'll be It'll be pretty interesting. Uh, I want to end on something kind of fun. What's the most Boise thing you saw or read all week? And I'll start. Uh, front page of Reddit. Very oh proud of us. Uh, whenever Boise or Idaho <laughs> makes the front page of Reddit, it's always bad. For our 4th of July parade, which featured the Idaho Liberty Dogs, a far-right group. Uh, they call themselves a militia, but let's not give them that much credit. Yeah. Uh, just a loosely based group of uncles. Um, and they walked in the parade in like full, uh, LARPing regalia and they had big <laughs> guns and, uh, a lot of them and they were in full tactical gear in the 4th of July parade kind of mixed in there with, you know, some other, uh, what I, from what I hear, not very exciting, uh, what do you call them? Displays? Floats? There floats? were no they floats. Fake floats. They're not fake floats. floats. I'm not yeah, going to yeah. say floats because no <laughs> floats, no candy. I mean, from what I heard from people who went, it was mostly just like uh, fascists. Yeah. <laughs> and then like two men and in brands. a truck, a uh, uh, moving company truck. Yeah, fascists yeah. and brands is what somebody said to yeah. me. So, uh, so yeah, that was what I was like, wow, that is that is disappointing. And it feels, it feels really on point, unfortunately, for the... For get it, Boise getting on the front page, I've never seen good news. So that's yeah. mine. What do you got, Blake? Um, I am taking it a bit more of a wholesome route uh, <laughs> because it's it's summer. I've just been able to like get on the water uh, this week, and so it's been lovely. Um, and one of my favorite things that I do is I used to live over like by like the Park Center Bridge area. One of my favorite things to do is just kind of camp out on one of those little banks there mm -hmm. uh, and watch people try to stand on their paddle boards over that little <laughs> rapid right there. It's so fun. That is it's, great. That it is, is endlessly entertaining. Um, I love watching the dogs do over because they're so much more on top of it than mm -hmm. the humans. Luckily, I haven't seen anyone be hurt, so I promise I'm not being too mean. But people can never stand through it. Like, I've seen it happen, like, twice when the river is more chill. Um, <laughs> but it is just a great pastime. So... You know, some people watching on the river is always a great way to spend a, a workday evening, in my opinion. That is perfect. That's a perfect one. What do you have, Frankie? Um, I also took to Reddit to uh, recently, earlier this week, and I thought this one was really very quintessential Boise. The headline is, quick reminder, outside cat is a quick way to say my pet is part of the food chain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy is like, okay, saw, dark, saw a coyote walking down the rails, I think the railway, with a big chunk of some unfortunate animal in its mouth next to Franklin between Alamba and Liberty oh, today. No. Wasn't able to get a photo, but it's a great reminder that even though we're in the city, that doesn't mean there's not wild animals out and about, including predators. If there's one that deep in town, you can safely assume they could be pretty much anywhere mm -hmm. if you care about your pets if you're if you care about your cats specifically keep them off the menu is what he said and uh i don't know i thought uh yeah good reminder that we live in a, a sure it's a city but we always uh we're still lucky enough to have wildlife around and in some ways uh with climate change and stuff we might be seeing it more and more as they yeah. uh come down to the valley to get access to things like food and water including your outdoor cat so yeah and that's not in the foot 
foothills. Like I when I Correct. I saw that post too when I started reading it. I thought, well, yeah, if you live in the foothills, you should probably keep your cat inside. But I'm like, Franklin and Allenbaugh is some yeah, middle of Boise. It really is uh, bench <laughs> stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that that's becoming more and more true. Also, hawks and stuff. Totally. Things, eagles. Like, we have bald eagles and golden eagles, you know. Yes. Something can nab your cat, so be careful with that, for sure. Well, the other thing I learned is that there's a thing called a catio. I didn't know about this. I'm not a cat person. Uh-huh. That you can have this, a patio for your cat that you can build that's uh, an outside structure of some kind that is uh, confined so that they won't get nabbed by a yeah. hawk that's passing by or something. <laughs> uh, felt very Boise to me. That's that yeah. does feel very Boise. A coyote walking down the train tracks uh, near <laughs> yeah. Allenbaugh feels extremely Boise. Watching paddle boarders fall off and guns in the parade. Couldn't get Whoa. more Boise than yeah. that. All right. Well, thank you, too, for helping me round up the week's news. And I will see at least some of you next Friday. <laughs> Sounds good. See ya. Stay cool. Stay cool. Stay cool. Yeah. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show was produced by Frankie Barnhill, Evelyn Avitia, A.K.L. Mootman, and me, Emma Arnold. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter, and our music is by Up Is The Down Is The. If you enjoyed our show today, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. We'll be back Monday with more stories from around the city. Bye! Bye!